1: When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420, The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes, RBC Wealth Management. Good morning, everybody. Happy Saturday.
2: Uh, An eventful week. Market went straight up, so... uh, Let's start off with a couple of quotes just to get us thinking right. Success isn't permanent. Failure isn't fatal. That's uh, Mike Ditka uh, was the last guy I heard say that. I don't know if it was the first time. So first of all, let me assert my firm belief that only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Nameless, unreasoning, unjustified terror, which paralyzes needed efforts to convert retreat into advance. And that's the way I've kind of expressed my stock market views over the years. Everybody's uh, frightened. And, uh, you know, in, in the long run, I think things are okay. Uh, now, the stock market hasn't uh, done that, but uh, b- been that way, but it's, you know, it's been difficult simply because uh, I think the outcome is going to be good. Uh, just in the meantime, they're, s- they're throwing a lot of stuff at you. I've never seen a time, actually, where there's been less bad news or more bad news, you know what I mean? And it's so it's an interesting time. But anyway, uh, we always talk about uh, our, you know, going to our webpage. If you go to WHK 1420 a.m. and hit the uh local podcast go down to Tim Hayes it goes directly to my webpage there's a lot of good stuff there the market week daily technical analysis highly re- recommend that stuff uh you know we've been talking about interest interest rates will fluctuate but we think they're going to be lower for long term and we've been right so we'll just keep on there and cybersecurity uh and data breaching is uh, very important these days so I highly recommend it. If you want to sign up for our newsletter or get any of my emails, I just had an interesting email about the Commodity Research Bureau Index, and it popped a little bit, and then uh, it died a little bit. So, uh, you know, we'll we'll see what happens eventually. But anyway, um, our September newsletter talks about millennials needing life insurance, uh, five retirement lessons from today's retirees, and some Social Security shoring up America's safety net. So we'll see. It's Interesting reading. I, I, I'm also thinking about uh, a seminar in November uh, calling Rewriting Retirement. I have not des- decided I'm absolutely sure on that one yet. Uh, but in the meantime, um, uh, we're thinking about it anyway. Okay. I, I'm having a hard time finding a, a place to do it. Uh, the Savvy Investor's Credit Workbook. I can't tell you how important that is to everybody. Uh you got to know how to work both sides of your balance sheet. Simple as that. Uh you know, if if you're not at least attempting to uh you should. You know, I keep talking about convertible bonds and, and I started to put people into them uh, a while back and and uh you know, look, since 1973, converts have paced the S&P 500 by about 2.6% annually and had 3 quarters of the beta and the beta is just how fast your stock moves to according to the market so it's it's only point seven three versus one for the market uh that's a good scenario um you know and as uncertainty rises, investors would probably find uh refuge in defensive attributes of uh, convertible bonds and I know some people that do them very very well. As a matter of fact, I have a book signed by uh, one of the guys that does it best uh if you want more information, please let me know um It is estimated a third of all food produced. Uh, amounting to nearly $1 trillion a year and from 1.5 billion tons is never eaten. Growing food is never eaten, uses a quarter of the world's uh fresh water, by the way. And so the first quarter of 2019, 29.5 million in the, uh, women in the labor force had at least a bachelor's degree, effectively matching the number of college-educated men in the workforce. It's the first time ever, so that's good. Go, you go get them, ladies. Uh, auto loan balances in the US overall hit a record of one point two eight trillion in early part of two thousand eighteen. According to the data from the New York Fed, that means that the average statewide auto debt load per capita was forty seven hundred. Uh a little more than sixty percent increase from two thousand twelve, by the way. So uh there we go. You know, I uh, some interesting statistics that I saw this week. Uh many investors are, are very worried about deglobalization in the of the world while Many metrics do suggest that global production trade tangibles uh, items are slowing. The trade of digital information and code is showing no signs of cooling down. Uh, if you look uh, at the digital economy, it's, it is going strong. <laughs> uh, however, if you look at real software investment and then the North North American freight index, the North American freight index was going up at 12% is now down about four and uh, uh, software investments stayed the same. So, with the imposition of tariffs of, on various products and the resulting economic uncertainty, you know you're, what you're finding is shipments of physical goods have tapered off. Uh, North American freight volumes are down. Uh, so it, it'll be interesting. Uh, tariffs been uh, have been focused on physical goods, by the way, not uh, you know such as industrial equipment, agriculture, that type of thing, but not uh, software, uh, which is very, very interesting. So we'll see what happens. You know, um, everybody's talking about oil, and I think, um, you know, oil's very, very cheap. And, and I mentioned last week about these ESG portfolios, and that's in, environmental, social, and governance portfolios. So these are the uh, the people that are uh, really want to do the right thing, and um, one of the things they don't like is oil. So, you know, if you look at the, the oil bear's bite, uh, you know, you're, you're – you're seeing that it, they've really taken a lot of oil stocks out and shot them. I mean, almost all of them. Is, even the banks, which, you know, I was talking about a couple of years ago, uh, the banks that are in the oil business, and you know who they are, um, you know, they've been holding it up, but they haven't exactly been uh, going crazy. So they've been just giving you a dividend. That's why I talked about buying those versus other oil stocks, simply because of the fact that they had the big dividends. But, look, I, I think equity markets are breathing a sigh of relief uh, because there's been three political... Du- developments that have boosted the major uh, indexes worldwide uh, in the last couple of trading sessions. And first, and that's the U S and China agreed to meet again in October, which is very, very positive. Second, the UK parliament pulled a no deal Brexit off the table. And then finally, Hong Kong's leader formally withdrew the controversial uh, extradition bill, which is very positive. So the market's positive reaction has less to do with politics per se, and more to do with potential impact that public policy decisions can have on economic growth. Because, The last 10 years, public policy decisions have really staggered growth badly, I think. Uh, So I think the data is fairly clear that U.S. trade uh, dispute has already constrained global economic growth pretty drastically. There's also some doubt to us that the Brexit uncertainties have negatively uh, impacted the U.K. Um, But the daily political headlines are eye-catching, to be sure, and, and they can temporarily swing markets in either direction, as you've probably all well noticed. So we view the state of the global economy as fragile, and the U.S. economy is relatively firmer, but, you know, it has some weak spots. And I think Germany's economy, uh, the world's fourth largest, is is fat on its back, you know. So some things you you got to take, uh, you know, you could take with a grain of salt, but you've got to be that, – that's why bonds have done so well. Uh, you know, I, I had several questions, uh, Dan, uh, Bill, uh, Eddie, uh, and uh, Russ – uh, Russ, not Ross, uh, they they said, you know, who's this guy from the big short? And, you know, well, he's a pretty smart guy. And, you know, he did become a billionaire in a very short period of time by uh, the he shorted mortgage bonds on margin. And that took a lot of guts and he made a lot of money on it. But look, he he said that, uh, you know, he talked about a crash in 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 uh, the flows. He's He's going to see the flows reverse from the index funds. And he said the longer it go on, the, the worse the crash will be. And what he talked about was price discovery. He said basically the analysts are not doing their homework. They're just shoving money into index funds. So there's a liquidity risk in that, and that's what happened, by the way, with CDOs. People were just buying them. And uh, normally uh, when you have a structured asset play, uh, it's the same old story it, again and again. It's so easy to sell such a fulfilling process uh, uh, prophecy as the technical uh, machinery kicks in, but the question is, uh, will it end well? And I don't, I don't think so. I, I think, um, you know, small cap stocks are very, very cheap, especially uh, both d- domestic and overseas. So, anyway, this week the top ten ETF creations. Remember, they they create these things as the money flows into them. Was the Spider Gold Trust? Then it got hammered on Thursday, and the uh, iShares U.S. Treasury Bond Fund the iShares 20-year uh, Treasury Bond Fund, the Schwab U.S. TIPS ETF, the one-to-three-year bond fund, uh, also the uh, Bloomberg Barclays High Yield Fund, the por- Portfolio Aggressive uh, Aggregate Bond Fund, and the Enhanced Short Maturity Active Fund, and the Consumer Staple Fund. So everybody's, I think, you know, sitting back waiting for, uh, you know, some things to happen. But now Friday... Uh, the action saw the reading on the bullish percent for the NDX, that's the top 100 NASDAQ stocks, surpass 54, causing the indicator to reverse back into a column of O's. Okay, so that's positive. Um, now, it it's a very positive sign for the NDX, so I think you're going to start seeing more more money flow into there. There's two stocks in the NDX that I really, really like. Um, one of them, uh, well, we will just say is is interesting. Um, the U S dollar turned up and, and broke a double top just recently. And, you know, we've been saying that, you know, we thought maybe there was a problem here and then it, it, it got whacked and then reversed back up. So remember, uh, the dollar affects asset classes. The dollar goes up. What you f- usually find is that the merging markets and commodities go down. And, uh, I sent out an, a, a note to a lot of people this week about commodities, um, and uh, basically saying that, you know, Bob, Bob Dickey thought uh, commodities were heading south. So, uh, you know, this spring I talked about, well, this fall, I mean I mean this uh, uh, winter, I talked about the EEM, EEM and the EFA and some of those things being looking interesting. I think you want to be careful now, okay? You're probably dead even at this point. So it's so the type of market it's been, up and down, up and down. Uh, now – you know, look, the t- the 10-year Treasury index got down to 145. That's the second lowest in history. The all-time low is 135. And now it's bounced back up, but uh, the the 7- to 10-year Treasury bonds had hit, basically hit a new high. So it was in the real estate sector and the utility sector. And that'll probably continue for a while. But, look, you got to understand that fixed income strategies right now with a yield curve like it is, I think you have to be a lot more careful. And then contrary to what some – seem like common sense given the low rate of yields, we we think there's probably more safety to be found in the 10 and 30 year because, you know, if they cut rates, that's the place where it's going to be, you know, probably just at least maintain itself. So the decline in treasury yields and the tightening of credit spreads has uh, dragged a lot of investment-grade corporate b- yields lower. Uh, so that index is a tough one to, to take a look at. I think, you know, if you look at the economic numbers, um, they're slow. Uh, but they're not in recession yet. So um, if I looked at the yield curve as a timing tool, the yield curve has been inverted before every recession since the 1970s, by the way, and we inverted for a short period of time. We didn't stay very long in this case, but there's been some really good returns uh, in the stock market for the next, well, the first six months are iffy. The next 12 months are usually pretty good. The next 18 and 24 are usually really, really good, Uh, which coincides with my theory on the fourth quarter. So just remember, don't get too bearish. Uh, things can change fairly rapidly, especially when the Federal Reserve is on your side. Uh, hey, we're going to take a break. Stay tuned. Okay, we're back. If you just tuned in, this is the Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes. And, you know, this week we had Dan Orness, uh who's our uh, head chief investment strategist for the whole world. Uh, which is pretty big, <laughs> and he he had a couple things that uh, I thought I would just you know his key conclusions were that the leading indicators of global growth have extended their decline and the majority of the world's purchasing managers index are now below fifty, suggesting a pretty broad base uh, deceleration in economic activity. Just the, and he said the longest streak of uninterrupted U.S. growth is showing its age, and it's mostly because of the tariff situation and. But low unemployment rates suggest little room for upside surprise is, is what his key point in that one is. And and then he says consistent with an end-of-cycle narrative is the fact that many global central banks are now actively cutting interest rates and are hinted that further monetary easing is is forthcoming. You know, the U.S. Federal Reserve uh, cut interest rates by 25 basis points at the end of July. And as insurance against mounting trade tensions and slowing growth, you know, he he thinks that could happen again. Uh, bond yields plummeted to record levels in the past quarter. Uh, they're not at all time record levels on the 10 year, but on the 30 year we are. So, and by the way, the stock market is now yielding more than the 30 year treasury. That's something to think about. Equity markets, uh, encountered a lot of volatility following a strong start to the year and the performance has been much more varied over the summer. Uh, you know, May was a disaster. June was good. Uh, July was okay. Uh, August was not so good. So, um, what we're seeing is is shifting investor sentiment uh has been the main source of market vol- volatility it's, and I'm going to talk about this later on the show how thing how different groups are going up and down up and down up and down and uh so you know his point was his base case for the economy is to continue expanding at a moderate pace but our it it, it does the scenario analysis placed a higher than normal chance of recession okay so you know how, look uh recessions we usually know about them six eight months ahead of time and if we're in a recession right now last december was telling us something okay so uh you got to remember but so i look i looked at a lot of different uh charts that you know like like i said uh if you look at the s&p 500 it was down and you know went went up from the bottom and down in may up in june down in uh june and part of july and then down in august same with utilities utilities went down in in from april to may Went back up from May to Ju- July, then went back down for a couple of weeks, and went back up. Reads the same way. So you are seeing this. Uh, even the cyclical,s are a bit a little bit more pronounced. You know, you went from uh, a a much you know uh, you know April May they were all down, and, and then they bounced back up, and they bounced back down. So we're seeing this uh, declining peaks and troughs in in like energy, but for the most part, everything else is just bouncing around, uh, and you are not seeing any direction other than them bouncing around, which has been the case for about a year and a half now, ever since January of uh, 2018. And by the way, and Bob Dickey, uh, you know, has been in town twice. And the first time he said, uh, this isn't over. And he, he didn't want to get two people too bearish, but I sent an article out uh, to everybody said, you know, basically get your ducks in a row. And um, what I meant by that was, Hey, you know, I think we got a problem for the next year or so. And, and, um, now i 've added and subtracted stocks quite quite regularly and i 've done a little bit more trading than I normally do um, but even the insiders have been wrong so uh, it 's been a difficult market in the fact that there is no real direction you know the market 's still down four percent from where it was in January of two thousand and eighteen and you know that 's not exactly great okay <laughs> that 's a year and a half of doing nothing and uh, but it 's been you know the transports and energy are have made lower highs and lower lows. So those are two important scenarios usually when it comes to, uh, uh, you know, the economy. Now I looked at the percent of stocks above their 200 day moving average. And I, I, uh, I think there's a key line in the sand for the most, you know, this is a very important breath indicator. And uh, there was a fantastic, well, let's just put to us, there's a question about looking at the market breadth and cap weighted indexes versus equal weighted indexes. And Uh, I think if you look at both, the most sense on – I think the breadth makes the most sense on the equal weighted. So I looked, and uh, the breadth has not been great, okay? So the most recent sell-off pushed the indicator from about 75 down to about 50. And, uh, you know, 50 is kind of lying in the sand. So uh, this week it turned back up, so we'll see if it continues. But, uh, you know, um, look – Somebody asked me what what they saw, what the, I thought the three best uh, biggest risks were in September, and I think it's volatility. A lot of people changing their mind about the market, you know, coming back and forth, and 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 I think the second one is the Federal Reserve. You know, uh, <laughs> we've already seen the market aftermath of the hurricane Fed <laughs> uh, Chairman Powell uh, on three occasions in the last nine months. I mean, the guy's kind of screwed up a couple times, so. Uh, the the Fed folks are, I mean, the media folks are putting Ch- Powell versus Trump. And I believe it's more Fed Powell, I mean, Chief Powell versus the bond market. So that's another thing you have to worry about. I, I think the Fed needs to lower rates. That's my opinion. Uh, there's just too much a differential. Uh, so there we go. And then, uh, you, you know, I, I think uh, stabilizing prices is, is crazy because we're 75% below where we were. So. But uh, I do think it's, uh, you know, it's going to be volatility in the Federal Reserve. And then, uh, you know, I, I guess the uh, it, the other thing to me would be just seasonality. And, and, you know, normally September is a rough month. And, you know, there was a stealth bull that some investors have been cheering uh, that had occurred in August. And I thought it was kind of interesting. Um you know, Roku was up forty six percent of the month. Now I own some of it, and we we did downgrade it to neutral, and I sold some of it, but I didn't sell all of it. Uh, Carvana was up twenty eight percent, and I own a little bit of that. I don't know much of it, but uh, we did see some stocks like uh, West Pharmaceutical go higher. Uh, and, but if you looked at the S and P five hundred, it came very close to reversing uh, its near ter- term downtrend line, meaning you know breaking out, and I think it did on Friday, so uh, or Thursday. I mean, uh, so. The, the stochastics are positive on the on the overall S&P, and that's good. And, you know, I keep talking about this growth versus value rotation, and I don't see any evidence of it yet. Uh, you know, the rotation graphs, I, you know, that I keep an eye on, uh, it, it shows the rotation of value versus growth. And, and the general take on this relationship is growth stocks do well and the market as, as a whole is doing well. While bio stocks are seen as safe havens that do well, in times when stocks are coming down. Uh, the rotation on this clearly shows the strength for growth stocks over value still. So I don't know if that's ever going to change. <laughs> it's the longest period of time I've ever seen growth outperform. Um, and it's mostly because they the growth in the economy has been so slow that uh, it's, it's hard to pick up, you know, normally in recoveries, we have four to 5% uh, uh, GDP growth, which really does a lot to help, uh, uh, you know, value stocks and, We're just not getting it, Uh, so you know, leave leave it uh, as it will. But look, uh, you know, it looked like to me this week that we got we were getting ready to have a short term pullback, and then we just reversed back up. And so once again, it's investing by tweets. You know, the tweet came out that uh, they're meeting uh, Thursday uh, in October. Boom! The market's up three hundred fifty points before you can blink. So. but the weekly momentum indicators uh, tracking for what, you know, I've been talking about this fourth quarter acceleration. that looks like it on my charts, um, even with all the headline worries, I'm still seeing the same thing. So uh, now I am seeing some things that, you know, worry me a little bit. And I, I've seen a, a very select list of cyclicals trying to bottom, which is positive. And those are the semiconductors, which had a big day on Thursday, um uh, And also just some industrials, okay? So uh, I'm seeing some evidence improving, uh, and it's mostly in uh, electrical equipment, machinery, uh, flow control, you know, equipment, you know, stuff like that. Um, Building products and home improvement, I'm seeing, you know, big big move up uh, this week in that, and aerospace and defense uh, are, are an area where a bottom would be good. But truckers, uh, I don't have enough truckers in my portfolios. I bought them several years ago and I haven't bought any more. And maybe I, I should start taking a look at that. So, I just think uh, you know we had a bounce from uh, twenty eight twenty two on the S and P, uh, and you know I think if you break twenty nine fifty, which I think we did on Thursday, uh, things are good. And what's interesting is short term relative strength momentum continues to build from an oversold position. So that's that's good. And, and once again, you know, I look at the S&P 500 from 2015 to 2019, and we had one big move, and then, uh, you know, we went sideways. And and usually at the end of the the beginning of a four-year cycle, which is 2020 to 2024, things get interesting. So uh, it continues to track, you know, the 2016 roadmap uh, that we saw. It was very similar, okay? So we expect some sideways, you know, chop to develop through late third quarter, and then... I think you're going to see an upside uh, acceleration. That's Tim's opinion, nobody else's. Uh, but, you know, if you look at the, uh, momentum oscillators, they're, they're all, you know, oversold and, and, and stalling a little bit, but starting to turn up. And then, uh, the Russell, uh, continues to track and stress. It's, uh, it's having a stress test, shall we say, at 1460. And, uh, that Russell is the smaller names. Okay. But I was looking at the cyclicals versus defensive stocks and, and, you know, it's got a flat top on the chart and an, and a higher low. So relative performance uh, is favoring cyclical over defensive sectors, uh, as, as I can see. And like I said, growth is still beating value pretty hard. The Citigroup economic surprise is still in an area where the surprise will probably be on the upside. And the um, AAII bullish sentiment, which is a contrary indicator. Uh, so when everybody's bearish, which pretty much everybody is right now, you know, you sh- should keep your head up and, and look for ideas, which I have been. Um, so th- this is one of the, you know, in the last, uh, 15 years, uh, maybe 20, um, this, this is one of the lowest, you know, uh um, number of bulls we've had for a while. So now the EFA and the EEM are right where they got to stop going down. So it'll be interesting to see if they turn up. Uh, I just be, I'd be careful use a stop or something. Uh, the 10 year notes, uh, the momentum is, is very oversold. As I said last week, I think it, it started to turn up on Friday. Uh, leave it at that. The dollar is emerging from that 96, 98 trading range that we talked about. And uh, I don't think it has any resistance till about 100. So it does look like the dollar is going up. And we've got a big consolidation in oil futures, what they call a triangle pattern, uh, which is, means you've got a series of lower highs and a series of higher lows. And so whichever way it breaks will probably be important. Um, right at the moment, it looks like it's trending down. Uh, so I think if it were to break, uh, you know, I'd say 50 uh, maybe 49.50 on the downside. If we were to break 67 on the upside, it would be very positive. The gold index came right to where I said there was resistance last week and uh, turned down a little bit. I said, you know, to wait a little bit, you know, wait till they pull back, and I hope he did. Copper has failed to hold the 255 support. You know, copper is a big-time economic uh, scenario, so that's important. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Okay, we're we're back. Uh, if you just tuned in this is the Smart Investment Show, and once again, if you'd like uh, to hear the show, uh, and you didn't hear the whole thing uh, on Tuesday at noon, uh, we do podcast it again. Uh, and you go to WHK fourteen twenty AM, and you go down to uh, local. I mean, go to local podcast, and down to Tim Hayes, and and you can hear. Uh, matter of fact, I think they go back like a year and or a little bit further. So if you're wondering if I said buy yield back in in two thousand. Uh, be my guest I did uh, we also went very defensive uh, in October of 2000 and uh, I, I I still don't think this is over yet I think there might be one more lookout below uh, you know but I don't think it's going to be 20% or anything like that I think it's going to be 5 or 6 because everybody's so frightened right now and they've taken like $289 million or billion dollars out of the, out of mutual funds and ETFs and put them into bonds or cash so that that is an roaring bull market folks that's not one you have to worry uh, anyway, we talk about the bullish percent quite regularly. And the bullish percent is just our main risk guide. And uh, our main risk guide is, is one that uh, it was designed back in the 30s by some protégés of Charles Dow. And what it it did is all they did was to make a chart from zero to 100. When you get over 70, that's the red zone. That's when things are too hot to handle. And that's when you should be frightened. Most people are just starting to buy at that point. And then we get below 30. That's when everybody's crying in their beer. They don't open their 401k statements, etc. That's when you should be greedy. Okay. Now, the other thing is when you're calm of X's, uh, you have the offensive team on the field and you can run plays depending on where your position is. You know, if it's, a, if it's a 68, you want to hand the ball off to the fullback. If it's below 30, you can throw the long bomb. Okay. So it's football season. Muzzles well start to talk football. And, uh, in a column O's, uh, uh, that depends on a lot of things. Like right now, domestic equities are the number one asset class, but we're in a column of O's. And so what you have to do, uh, you have to think about that and say, hey, domestic equities are still the place to be. Maybe I lighten up a little bit. Okay. Uh, so there we go. Now, this week, we, uh, the, the, the bullish percent was up 1.4% to 39%. Uh, it would not reverse up and, and into a column of X's until 44 and then uh but the the over the counter index was down 0.08 by the way that in, that increase i think was mostly the ndx uh that was the reason we were up but we're at 33.6 and we wouldn't reverse up till 40 so there's a lot of a lot of room overhead before we do anything and uh the world index was up 2.6% so at 35 it would reverse back up at 38 so basically we had no real changes uh for the for the week anyway um most of the, everything I've seen is in a column of O's. Uh, the high-low indicators are all, you know, in the 50s area. They're not, uh, we're not seeing, you know, great, um, a great scenario. I think the over-the-counter is in 40s so that, you know, that'd be getting close to a bottom on both sides. So the over-the-counter index going to below 30 uh, is at 33. So, you know, a 10% move down would be very positive, And then we'd look to see when it turned back up. But look, you, you head into the fall months, the thought is, uh, you know, is prudent to review the volatility uh, in the S&P 500 this past summer and how it relates to prior years. Um, And I think um, if you examine the daily returns for the S&P 500 going back to 1987 and counting the number of times the index had a gain or a loss exceeding 1%, it it turns out that the SPX only had a daily movement greater than 1% during one day in July, which came on the last day of the month. However, the volatility picked up in August. We had 11 days we had 1% move and we had seven days. We had a 0.85% move. So when you start getting that kind of volatility, uh, you got to be careful. Now uh, I I think if you look, uh, the S&P 500 has set up a potential spread uh, triple top breakout, which would be a move to 2950. Like I said earlier, I think we broke that on Friday. So, that would be very very po- i mean thursday i think that's very very positive uh it does mean that there's there's still some overhang but it's uh it's good okay now as of thursday of last week this was thursday morning before the market opened all the in- all the indexes that i saw were still positive long term but they they've had negative weekly momentum for 6 weeks so we might have turned that corner on thursday and friday but uh this comes out on a on a thursday basis so uh we don't know uh, but this you know 6 weeks of negative weekly momentum is a pretty long time and so a, a turnaround would not be out of the case, you know out of the realm of the possible so it was a positive week uh good things happened we i think we had a breakout uh did the bullish percent turn up i don't think it did yet all right remember it's like a big old aircraft carrier you don't turn the economy on a dime you know you, you don't uh take an aircraft carrier and say okay go right 90 degrees <laughs> Uh, it just doesn't happen. You got to turn it a little bit, come back, turn it a little bit, come back. It's a slow, methodical process. So uh, just remember that. Um, what the one thing that disturbs me is we talk about the bullish percent and and the favored sectors. We're still only at six favored sectors, and now we have almost two thirds of all the groups below thirty or at thirty or and below. So the the groups that are uh, favored right now are electric utilities at 65 percent waste management which you know you got to still take out the trash is at 60 at 50 precious metals and real estate remember f- five weeks ago precious metals was below 30 okay so it's made a big move you probably look. uh you could have bought american barrack uh you could have bought a lot of these uh, um, a lot of these names are up 20 30 percent in a short period of time uh, Wall Street's at, at 40, and then Protection Services is, is uh, below 30. It's at 16, so that might be one we want to take a look at. But the fact that we're, you know, all year long, um, we the most we've had is 11 favored sectors, and that was even when the market was going straight up. So it's been a tough year, and, and since, uh, was it May? No, April 20th, we've averaged seven sectors. So... It's something that uh, you know has has been a a bit difficult for um, you know the person who's using our system uh, to, to really find great ideas if you weren't in real estate electric utilities waste management Wall Street or precious metals now we did send out something to all our people uh, just a month and a half ago about precious metals and by the way uh, most gold stocks are up about twenty percent since that date even with a sell-off on Thursday uh, you know, I was looking for groups that were just in the bullish, you know, bull confirmed status and textiles are there. They're at 44% and household goods are at 40%. So there are some names out there uh, that are, are looking decent, uh, but, I, you know, transports are below 30. I mean, there's a lot of things below 30. Now, waste management went to most favored status this week. Uh, leisure went to average and savings and loans went to unfavored completely. Uh, so if we look at the international sector, um, you know, one of the things I'm, I'm hoping for is the, the EAF, EFA and the EEM to turn up. And I did notice that the EFA turned up on a relative strength basis versus the EEM. So the more developed countries, is what we're saying, are taking over the emerging markets. Uh, and that's the first time that's, you know, happened for a while. Uh, the other one it has been, it's been very positive since basically 2002. You know, so um, uh, that's that's an interesting find. It's the first we've seen in a while. But look, somebody asked me um, if, uh, you know, how, what would you do internationally? And so I, I, I kind of use First Trust. But um, they have a BIC index fund, which is uh, Brazil, India, China, and Korea. They have a Latin American alphadex. They have a Brazil Af- Dex. They have a Germany alphadex. And they have a Switzerland Dex. And I, I might go 20%. You know, in my foreign equity portfolio, 20% on each one of those. Now, uh, that's up to you. But uh, Brazil's been, and Latin America have been very strong lately. So, you know, wait on them, okay? You don't have to be in a hurry. And uh, a BIC, you know, gave me a couple buy signals on my charts uh, last week. So, uh, anyway, the, the U.S. Treasury 30-year yield index uh, reversed into a column of O's. That means the yield is starting to go up a little bit, okay? So, uh it 's now formed a triple bottom at one nine two five so if it if it moved to like one point nine uh that would complete a, a spread triple bottom and also mark a new all time low for the index all time all time low <laughs> i mean going back way back so uh the ten year treasury fell uh below the two year treasury yield again this last week so that 's what they call an inverted yield curve uh but it did reverse back up hard on friday so uh we keep a keep an eye on that. One of the things I did notice is some of the low volatility portfolios have been breaking out, uh, which you know means that they're buying dividends. Where have you heard that before? Dividend growth portfolios, prime income list. We've been touting that for years now. So, um, I, you know, I just, I just think when yield, uh, I'll mention this again, yield curve inversions are usually uh, ugly short term. You know, the first six months are not so great, but uh, the, after 24 months, things are very, very good. So just remember that. Uh Uh, while you listen to all these guys on CNBC. Uh, You know, sometimes I I was on vacation one time and I listened to them for a really long uh, period of time and I I couldn't speak my name after a while. I was so paranoid. Uh, Anyway, I looked at the commodities this week and oil has been negative for about six weeks. Most of the commodity index has been negative. The exception has been gold. Gold's been very positive. I think it went uh, neutral on Friday. So um, I'm also looking at currencies and the U.S. dollar index has been the star, so it'll be interesting. Uh, the British pound broke to a new low on uh, Boris's announcement this week, so we'll see what happens. Now let's go into relative strength, and relative strength is very important because, uh, uh, you know, what we're trying to do here, folks, is we're trying to take the technicals and the fundamentals together. Uh, and we look at fundamentals by insider buying, uh, the analysts. Uh, and by the way, uh, the insiders and the analysts have been wrong a lot this year, and uh, – it doesn't make life easy. Uh, so, but relative strength buy signals sometimes last for a very long time. Uh, so this week we had Campbell Soup's, we had Huron Consulting, uh, Apollo Group Management, uh, Lynette Corporation, which you know went from twenty-eight down to four and then reversed back up to ten. The medicines companies, uh, Ventris Ventas, I'm sorry, Ambarella, which is in the semiconductor business, uh, and then on the sell side now. This is where you have to go check your fundamentals again. Uh, I would suggest anyway, and Adtelem, which is a global education company, Illumina, which is in the biotechnology area, uh, Nanometrics, which is a, a semiconductor, Overstock.com in retail. That's more of a, a Bitcoin play, by the way. Uh, Titan Machinery, Ollie's Bargain Outlet Holding, Microfocus International, which is a software company, and uh, Annalee Capital Management, uh, which is a REIT. So uh, you know that that's what we see in. Uh, there now, one of the things I did notice—I'm going to go over this very quickly—is some of the fund directional scores, and what I've been seeing is some some funds really start to turn, and, and the groups that turned the most were precious metals, consumer cyclicals, and uh, some of the utilities, and some infrastructure plays. And we haven't heard talked about that for a while. Ones that were down and out that started to turn positive were transportation, internet, and healthcare. So keep that in mind. In the meantime, we'll be right back with Insider. Stay tuned. <laughs> Okay, we're back. Uh, If you just tuned in and you want to hear the whole show, just go to WHK 1420 uh, AM. Go to local podcast down to Tim Hayes. I show up. You can go directly to my webpage, by the way. So if you want to get in touch with me when I sit down and have a cup of coffee. Uh, Look, I've been working on um, balance sheets, and um, I, I, I just don't think people understand how important the debt side of your balance sheet is as well as your equity side. Uh, people are constantly trying to get completely out of debt when sometimes going into debt is a good thing, uh, depending on what you're buying and what you're using it for uh, and how you're using it, okay? It's important. So you got to work at both by sides of your balance sheet. And uh, I, I emphasize that. Look, I have a gentleman who just used uh, his equity side of his balance sheet to buy a bunch of equipment for his company. And uh, we haven't finalized it yet, but, uh, you know, it's turned out to be, he's going to save a percentage point and a half, okay? So, Got to use your head. Anyway, we always talk about insiders, and insiders uh, know their companies usually better than we do. Um, Now, the insiders have been wrong, and and some of them aren't exactly insiders. I mean, like Teva Pharmaceuticals, which I bought. uh, Warren Buffett bought. Uh, He bought Kraft Heinz, too, and he got killed in both of them. Uh, He actually bought more on the way down. I thought things were okay, and then boom. Now, the insiders at Teva have bought, uh, you know, they, they even bought at eight and nine, and the stock's at seven. So, Insiders have been wrong uh, uh, this year uh, a lot, and most of it's been value-oriented stocks. Okay, so uh, I'll just leave that as it is. Uh, however, uh, here's a hedge fund by the name of Starboard Value, and uh, these guys are – this is smart money. They revealed a 7.5% stake in cloud service provider Box. Uh, Box shares were up about 7% at that point, so, you know, you, you don't want to chase them. Uh and then there's Tri-State Capital, which is uh, a bank that uh, does business with a lot of uh, regional, well, I shouldn't say individual brokerage firms or uh, small brokerage firms or, or guys on their own, okay? Um, the chairman and CEO bought, had four purchases of $250,000 each. That equals a million. Uh, and Dish Networks, after gifts getting pummeled last month, uh, they were $46 and are now $32,000 uh sixty six, uh, a director bought nine point nine seven seven million dollars worth. He's a very smart director. <laughs> I'll emphasize that he's a very, 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 very smart director. And then New Media Investment Group, uh, which was, you know, a, a fifteen, sixteen dollar stock uh back in February, which is now a six dollars uh, ninety-eight stock. And by the way, you've seen a lot of that, okay? It's a bifurcation in the market. You know, they pe- keep stuffing money into index funds and I think that, you know, like Mike Burry said, that may be coming to an end. But the CEO uh, bought two point one nine five million of of New Media, a director uh, bought two hundred sixty two thousand, another director bought uh, one hundred thirty one four. So you like seeing having them see when the, they pull back to buy, and then uh, PVH or the old Phillips Van Huesen, the chairman and CEO bought nine point nine eight eight million dollars of the stock. It was one forty back in May. It's now eighty, uh, so that's a big chunk of change, and um, you like to see when CEOs and chairmen buy it. CEOs and CFOs are my favorites, uh, by the way. and And here's uh, Comstock, uh, Comstock Resources, another oil company. We we had ten insiders buy nineteen to twenty five thousand dollars, and you know this is Jerry Jones's company from the Dallas Cowboys, and I noticed that he had bought some too. So uh, <laughs> make your bet on Dallas's future because. Uh, Ezekiel cost him a few bucks, <laughs> and Cot Corporation, which is consumer goods, beverages, that type of thing. Uh, Tom Harrington, the CFO, uh, bought uh, six hundred ninety-two thousand six hundred eighteen dollars, and then he bought another three hundred twelve dollars, uh, three hundred twelve thousand uh, dollars worth. Uh, two days later, so Cot uh, is down a lot. It was uh, a sixteen-dollar stock back in February; is now twelve eighty. So that's pretty good, and this is one that uh, I believe I have a re- research report on. So if you are interested, let us know. But it's intracellular therapies. Uh, the stock was seventeen dollars back in December, is now nine dollars and twenty cents, and a lot of this has happened. So uh, you know, don't be surprised. One director bought a million dollars worth, and another director bought three hundred fourteen thousand dollars worth. By the way, they bought uh, several times two months ago, and then Codi. Uh, you know, Codi was a takeover target and. Uh, the stock was at fourteen, now it's nine thirty eight and the CEO bought two point four million, a director bought four hundred and seventy six thousand, another director bought uh one hundred and thirty six thousand. And then I noticed there's a couple of buys on Friday, uh they were, you know, four or five hundred bucks uh four hundred thousand bucks I should say. So uh, you know, you gotta keep watching that one. And then Regional Management Corp. We we talked about two weeks ago where Basswood Capital bought a couple times for about four million bucks. They bought another one point nine four one million this week, and then Progenics Pharmaceuticals, which was just six fifty about a month ago, is now four seventy five. Uh, Valen Capital bought one point two million, and then three days later bought a million ninety eight. So you like seeing that, and then. Prospect capital. This is an interesting one because what they do is they lend money to smaller companies. All right. And then they get bonds and equity back. Um, but the CEO and this guy's a very bright guy, by the way, bought 1.5 million and then he bought 1.288 million about four days later. So, uh, lots of insider buying here and there and, um, take it from there. Uh, now I've been talking about this little mini breakout. Now look, we're still four percent below the high. In January of 2018. So it's not exactly a ro- raving bull market. Uh, you know, you've had a year and a half of, of sideways consolid- consolidation with a, an 18% move down, a 5% move, a 12% move, a 5% move, and another 5% move. So it's, I wouldn't consider it a lot of fun. <laughs> uh, but this is what the market does. It goes up for a while and then it goes sideways for a while. And, and, uh, we warned a lot of people that were at Bob Dickey, uh, back in, uh, 2018 uh, we had Bob Dickey and Marshfield, who by the way is up like 28% this year. Um, You know, we warned him, Hey, you got to be careful. All right. So uh, leave it at that. We did see the, the Dow Jones was trading this little range and it broke above it. Uh, The S and P 500, I think broke above it. The NDX definitely broke above it. So that's a big positive. It's just, um, we still have a lot of overhead resistance. So, i think the index is going to be positive for the next couple of weeks. then I think we have one more dip, and then I think the fourth quarter will be very very interesting i I think if we do have a sell-off going into october, you really want to, you want to look very carefully at your portfolio and make sure you're you're on board um because by the way, this has been going on for since the bottom in two thousand seven we We go up for a while uh then you know we went up from two thousand two thousand nine i should say two thousand nine and then, you know, 2010, we had the flash crash. 2011, we downgraded the uh, the treasury bonds. Uh, you know, th- these were 19% corrections, and we had 4 or 5% corrections in between. And 2013, we had a great year for small caps. I mean, small cap portfolios were up 40%, 50%. And then we had the Ebola square. And then we had f- 2015, where the interest rates started going up every quarter. And we had a 15% correction, and we had a 9% correction, and we had a 15% correction in 2016, we had, you know, Brexit. We had a 7%, 8% correction there after a 10% correction in January. So it's been difficult. Uh, and, I, I, you know, it, it's hard with all the volatility to stay in the market. But uh, if you do it the right way, uh, and, and it, it's, that's been hard because, you know, if you're looking at this, the charts, value is very undervalued. I mean, it's almost like four and a half standard devi- deviations below growth. Yet there's no sign of it turning. I don't know what makes it turn, but, uh, you know, that's where the value is, where the value is, but people keep stuffing their money into growth. So, you know, will it be a dramatic ending? I don't know who knows, but, uh, it, it like the indexes continue to trade in these ranges for the past months. And, and there's early indications, uh, for today, where a pullback, you know, uh, this week, I mean, and, uh, now we've broken through the high end of the range. Okay. So we've broken this little tr- pattern that we've been in and, I generally, uh, a sideways period after a strong market in 2016, 2017, you know, was very positive. So remember that. And so, I I, look, short term, I still think we're we're neutral to positive. Uh, The major indexes have moved into some relatively tight ranges of about 4% and then they broke out of it. That's good. Uh, Intermediate term, still neutral. I'm still really bullish long term. I mean, you know, uh, Bob Dickey used a number that was just significant. Uh, at our seminar back in, in March uh, for a price target. And he said it in front of everybody, so I think he thinks he's right. <laughs> now, the Commodity Research Bureau Index does look like there's a possibility. I mean, if it, it were to break uh, 158, uh, I think we, we'd be in for another round of look out below on the commodity. So, uh, you know, it, it, like I said, it's a, it's a tough, tough scenario, Uh and, you know, the yield indexes are indicating that we're, we're you know, we need to lower rates. And uh, I think the yield indexes are way ahead of the Federal Reserve, okay? So it's it's, it's a tough scenario. So, look, um, I, I keep talking about this, and I'll just suggest that the dividend growth portfolio and the prime income list uh, now yield more than the 30-year Treasury, okay? The 30-year Treasury is at an all-time low yield. Let me say that again. The 30-year Treasury is at an all-time low yield, the lowest in in American's history. The 10-year got very close to an all-time low yield, which was 135, was the all-time low. It was at 145. So it seems to me that if you have dividend stocks that are yielding more than the S&P 500, or the S&P 500 is yielding more than the Treasuries, that's a good thing. They're yielding more now than the municipals. So... I would suggest a dividend growth portfolio and the prime income list are two things that you probably want to, uh, you know, go to WHK fourteen twenty AM and uh, ask for. <laughs> uh, you remember, you go the local podcast down to Tim Hayes. It takes you directly to my webpage, page, uh, and you can get uh, some really good stuff there. So um, while you're there, you know, look at Bob Dickey's technical analysis. Uh, it's it's good information. Sometimes if you can see the, what the market's doing it's easier for you because people read about in the newspaper and you know, look, I've had 12 people come in this summer and I said, you know, what's the market doing this year? And they didn't know. Okay. They said, well, you know, it, it's, it's hitting new highs all, every day. And I said, no, we haven't hit a new high in a year. So it, it is a tough scenario. And, and look uh, back in, um, in August, you know, the, The uptrend line of the Dow dating back to 2000, you know, the bottom in 2019 or 2018, I should say, uh, you know, uh, we broke that downtrend line or that uptrend line. So that's usually not a good sign. Then then we break out again above. So it it might be an undercut. So the point is, is when you see it, you know, uh, you understand a little bit better. So take a look. Uh, Remember, the dividend growth list and the prime income list are really good ideas. Our best idea list probably would be a good thing to have uh, coming up. In the meantime, have a great weekend. It's beautiful out there. Uh, Stay outside and uh, enjoy it while we can. This is the Smart Investor
1: Show. I'm Tim Hayes. Remember, buy low, sell high. Thanks for listening to the Smart Investor Hour. To reach Tim during the week, call him toll-free, 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Or visit his website, rbcwmfa.com slash Tim Hayes. That's all one word in the address bar, rbcwfma.com slash Tim Hayes. Please join us again next Saturday for the Smart Investor Hour to hear more smart investing from Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management.